What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Dostromsky. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Sirit Sohi. Today we are talking about ring culture in light of Derek Nowitzki's number retirement ceremony in Dallas this week. So we wanted to get into a conversation about some great players in the NBA who may need a ring to certify their careers. And Sirit, the reason why we're talking about this week is because you watched Dirk Nowitzki get his number retired in Dallas and it brought up a lot of... uh, Thoughts and feelings. Yeah, yeah. So many thoughts and feelings, even ideas. There were a lot of moments in different people's speeches where you kind of saw the revisionist history happening and also acknowledgement of like the past a little bit. So, you know, Derek kind of came into the league basically being criticized for all the things that he wasn't, especially as the Mavs like just continued to not win championships. Um, And the culmination of that was probably in 2007 when he won the MVP. So on one end, you have you know, just all this adulation and praise happening. But because of who Dirk was and how he played, um, just, you know, being a a seven-footer who liked to shoot threes and, uh, you know, just, you know, the the European stuff and the idea that he was soft and and not being the most physical defender and all that stuff was was also talked about and he was so different. So when when the Mavericks lost in the first round that year after getting the one seed, uh, Dirk had to accept his MVP after... Winning after after losing, and it was like it was honestly like one of the most depressing uh, press con- conferences I've ever watched. Um, like I think we don't see it happen very often. Like Dwayne Casey got to accept it like way later because now the awards are, right. are doled out way later, and it was George Carl as well. Like I think you see it happen to coaches more often. Like they just get fired, but um, like players, like you're kind of 
you're still there after a disappointing performance for the most part. So usually you don't get traded after having an MVP quality season. It's pretty rare. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which, which might highlight the point here. <laughs> you can see this on YouTube. So like if people want to go check it out, the Dirk yeah. press conference is on YouTube. It's and jarring. His entrance into it is just incredible. It's like he's walking into the building and they're asking him and he's just like, Oh, it's just a great honor. Like, it's really awesome. And then like, that's it. Everything else is I'm so bummed out we lost. I, I'm still so sad that we lost this the the playoff series and that we're out of it. Yeah, it was it was really bad. You know, there's just like and, and he's kind of like it's it's a tough moment because it's kind of like you're getting the same question asked you over and over again and everyone's kind of stuck in this thing. Like you know, even the reporters are just kinda like, Yeah, so Dirk, hey, yeah, so we know about about what happened. <laughs> Weird. So that at the in in the montage uh that they had at his retirement ceremony yesterday, um, uh, that two thousand MVP is like that press conference is in there and then you just fast forward to the 2011 championship (laughs) and it was just a perfect metaphor for what happens when you win a championship like every single thing that you were criticized for especially if you're a player like like Derek was like who's just a little bit different um is just kind of now folded into either it's a flaw that you have overcome or it is now a strength that we we mere mortals were just uh you know we were too dumb to see so now we we we're overcorrecting and heaping you with with even more praise uh than than might be uh might be deserved maybe not 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 so in the case of Derek, but that's kind of just how these things go right now what's really interesting about that 2011 championship that he won was he obviously won it with Dallas, which is the team that he spent his entire career with. And he did so beating uh, LeBron James and the the Heatles, like that first LeBron team. That was one of my favorite finals ever with like the coughing and like just it was kind of an upset, but it just felt like that was sort of the point right before takes became like really insufferable. You know, we were we had kind of come out of the decision and we had gotten this Miami Heat team and then we also had the backlash that Miami Heat team, but it felt within the bounds of like being healthy. It wasn't like really, really, really toxic yet. We were self-aware. We weren't too self-aware. Yes, yet. exactly. Right. It's like it was like the flowering of NBA Twitter happening then. And, you know, LeBron had gone to Miami, took his talents to South Beach for a variety of reasons. But among other reasons was to put himself in a position to win a championship, which he obviously did. But it's kind of interesting to go back and see how unique Dirk would seem now, right? Like how many players do we have left in the NBA who are sort of tirelessly plugging away season after season after season at this with the same team, the team that drafted them, you know, playing with all these different formations, rosters, coaches, sometimes going through different ownerships and just trying to win a championship in the team for the team that drafted them. I don't really have any romance about that idea anymore. But it's fascinating to be here in 2022 talking about some of the guys who haven't won championships yet and how they've gone about about trying to acquire them. 2022. Yeah, it's a long time from 2011. It's a long time from 2007. But yeah, I mean, do you think for yourself, for instance, had Dirk not won in 2011, how significantly different do you look at him? I think it's inevitable that I would look at him differently, that all of us would look at him differently because like fundamentally what winning a championship I think does is it just changes the story of what your career is. Um, like, you know, I th- like we're going to talk about Chris Paul later and I think he's, he's a perfect example of, of this thing kind of being highlighted where you have a player who just hasn't won for a really long time. And I think 
when that happens in the NBA and, and that player is really great, there becomes this demand for a reason beyond situation. Like it's not enough that, you know, LeBron was 18 when he was when he was drafted and he went to went to Cleveland of all places, right? And it, it just what it was it was just not a good franchise. And and the same thing with 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 Garnett, drafted out of high school into to Minnesota. Um, and you know Chris has had his own various things that we'll get into. Uh, and and with Dirk, you kind of have a similar thing where it took him some time to to develop. And you know there's all these reasons that he that he hadn't won. But trying to, I guess, blame the situation or just I mean look at the appropriate context kind of takes away from this idea that we have in sports that like you know the true greats can always just overcome their situation. And that's just not always true. But we kind of I, th- I think we demand. A reason that is innate to that person after a while. Do you look at Dirk significantly differently than you do at Steve Nash because of the ring? I mean, personally, no. But like that, like I might flip that question back to you as like a non-Canadian five-six point <laughs> guard who like idolized him. <laughs> Just not the right perspective. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't. I mean, I, I obviously think that Dirk is just one of the most magical players I've ever seen, and him winning a championship was. Uh, such a hugely significant moment in NBA history and also just a kind of unexpected one. I, I don't think that I had, I had been counting on that, even though that, that Mavericks team was really, really good and specifically really good on, on D and like had a really well-rounded roster. You know, watching basketball now, it's like so much Nash is in the game. You know, it's like in some ways Nash aesthetically has impacted basketball, maybe even more profoundly than Dirk, even though Dirk's skill set for big men you can see that in Jokic you can see that in different guys but Nash and like the elasticity with which he played this position and I think you can see him in Trey you can see him in Steph you can see him in Kyrie you can see him in so many different guards like when you look at these guys and I I think I have a lot of them in my life that I really care about Nash Iverson they all tend to be guards but like I don't ever really like hold it against them that they didn't win rings that being said when you talk about somebody like Giannis I think Giannis is just in a different class than like the Embiid's and like the like a lot of the guy, like the guys of his generation, the guys of his cohort because of that ring. I do think that it sets you on a different career path, a different trajectory. You told me that you were going to kind of pose this question and it got me thinking. And I wonder if it's really just all about expectations. Like if you win one early, because I think this happened to Dwayne Wade too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though like, I think he spent most of the time between winning that ring, other than that Heatles year, like pretty much minted in gold. Uh, like he won one in his third year against Dirk. And I think that like, what can happen is that you just start like your eyes getting big, right? Like, oh, wow, this team's going to be back. Right. And the expectations just naturally develop like, because honestly, because there's a belief in you after something like that happens. Right. Like I think coming out of a championship, um, you're almost like you're, there's a, there's an untouchable quality that teams have sometimes after winning a championship. And that can actually fuel the next run. Like, I think that's kind of ha- what happened with the Warriors, obviously, like in, in, in 16, they didn't win, but they were pretty objectively a better team than the team from the, the year before. And the Bucks have had their injuries, but they kind of still like Giannis especially has that vibe this year. Mm-hmm. So that's real. Um, like, it's just like the inner confidence, I think, that you can get after a moment like that. But there's also the externalized version of it uh, where it just it just ratchets up. Ex- expectations because in reality like nobody is that sort of thing that we kind of project onto players that win championships like you're still who you are like Giannis overcame the fact that he does not have a three-point shot but that doesn't mean that next like this next playoffs teams are going to be like oh we're just going to let him like oh man we got to close out now like he's still going to have to deal with that sure right yeah right 
it's a lot like I mean it's just like a lot of things in life like we think something's gonna get us a thing but like you still gotta deal with being whatever you are you know what it is for for Giannis it was a little bit to a lesser extent way for talking about winning a ring early on in your career or earlier in your career is it just becomes a quite a conversation about how many rather than whether it's going to happen or not and then when you talk about how many you start getting it's a pretty rare error in the history of the league when you're when you're talking about a guy who you're like it's not a matter of whether or not this is going to happen because it did or because it's going to. I mean, I think everybody thought like, I mean, I always just assumed LeBron would win a championship eventually. It's about how many they can get and and what kind of legacy they put together, what kind of like resume they put together. Whereas when it becomes an act of a career long chase, whether that's like a Carl Malone or a Steve Nash or a Chris Paul or... I guess even, you know, we'll, we'll get to him too, James Harden and some other guys. It's, it's kind of like a pure pursuit of, of, that, of that validation. But when guys start to make roster moves to, to put themselves in a position to win a ring, I do think that like they wind up getting perceived slightly differently. And like that's, that's the whole entire conversation around Durant. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, and, and LeBron too. I was going to ask you if you thought that the kind of aster like the excessive asterisization of, of rings and what they mean and like how they impact your legacy um is just a product of the internet like some rings meaning more than other ones uh but that's a really good point like this this whole thing kind of changed when players started getting more power to mm-hmm. be able to, to to create super teams like that is kind of where where things started to become arbitrary yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have this thing sometimes when I get to the end of an NFL or an NBA season and I see who wins the championship. And if it's like when the Raptors won, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to any Toronto Raptors fans, I was kind of like, that's so weird. This is so weird that the Raptors won the championship. It kind of goes against all the conversations that we were having throughout most of the season. Obviously, Kawhi became kind of like a different level of player when that happened. But, you know, there's been Super Bowl champions. But then, like, I've, you know, if your team you cheer for wins the championship, there are no asterisks. Like there, like you just don't ever think about that. And when you, you know, when you you can you can start to talk about bubbles and you can talk about injuries and and who missed what series and if Zaza doesn't step underneath a guy, you know, are we talking about five Spurs titles or whatever? It's like I I don't know. I just I think that once you, once you hoist a trophy, it's a real trophy. It doesn't matter where it happened or how it happened. Yeah, I think for the fans, that's always going to be the case, right? Like I think you can defend it, and like you know, fans will argue and stuff. But like for me, like I think just watching that happen, you can't really take away the experience of that. Like you can like anybody can say there's an asterisk on a season, but like you can't take away like be you know watching Kawhi hit that shot or like being at the championship parade and things like that like that's why i think for fans it's always going to connect like it just doesn't like it's like oh like oh you think this isn't like real like i i can tell you it was so yeah it's then you get into like what's an asterisk is it just the bubble is it just if Kawhi gets hurt is it just if clay thompson gets hurt i mean what what where do we sort of start drawing the line for what is and isn't uh is an asterisk worthy when it comes to championships and how do we apply that to like the overall legacy of players. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before and it's like, you know, there's an asterisk on every single season. Like if you want to if you want to just blow up context to see why a, a team won, like you can do that until like end of days. Like you can associate Steph Curry 
and the Warriors winning championships to like the three point revolution. Because like frankly, it wouldn't have happened in a different era. It just wouldn't have. That doesn't make it any like less right. But that's just a fact. Like it's always a team and a player and their skill set meeting a very particular moment, and and all those things kind of fusing together. Like there are certain situations where talent is always going to like work in different eras. Like LeBron's probably one of those players. Like Jordan and stuff. But for the most part, like Dirk, even right, like he didn't. He missed the mark of the era by a little bit, right? Like if he had come along in you know 2015, I think you know everybody would have known what to do with him. Same with like a a guy like KG as well, right? Um, so it's just it's always the case. I don't know. So for me, that's why I've never really liked it. Like things always happen. That's kind of the point. Like that's why we, that's why you actually roll the ball out, you know? So one of the reasons why I thought this was such an interesting conversation topic besides the Dirk retirement ceremony was just because how this conversation evolves over the course of time, juxtaposed with like the quote unquote player empowerment era, but like this era of player movement that we've got going on. So this idea that somebody like a Harden, that somebody like a Durant, that uh, somebody like a Jimmy Butler, that's all these players have either by free agency or trade sought situations that they think will bring them closer to winning a ring. And obviously in that, in that sense signaled that that is like, not, you know, obviously it's the most important thing is to win a championship, but that, that like sort of trumps anything where it's like, this is where I got drafted or this is the, the fan base that I particularly like, or maybe this is where I like to live. What do you think is the sort of state of that conversation as we see so much player turnover and we're probably due for another summer coming up of guys like Beal and Lillard and anybody else, Towns, who decides all of a sudden, hey, I think I think it's like time for me to move on so I get a, I get a little bit closer to championship. I mean, I think it all ends up playing out based on the situation. Um, you know, when LeBron first went to Miami, I think there was a contingent that said it doesn't matter how many championships he wins. Like he did the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight thing. And then there was just like this idea of like, well, they've gamed the system. Right. But then the fact that they lost to the Mavericks and it turns out that, you know, the other their other runs were difficult and they only went two for four. Ironically, I think actually bolsters the legacy of that team, even though it's it's a team that we probably don't talk about enough, but it kind of bolsters it just because you realize that it is still hard. And as as long as it looks hard to us, I think we can we can forgive like move player movement to some extent. You know, there's always like there's still going to be people who are never going to really ride for LeBron after after he did that, right? Like that's just that's just how they approach the game. Um but I think for a player like Chris Paul on the other hand, um he has something where first of all, he's in this other tier of all-time great I think where we don't necessarily care that much about those types of things that he does first of all he's drafted the, uh, to New Orleans who were then the Hornets um and like it was just one of those things where it's like you know just everyone's kind of cool with him getting out of the ob- obscurity of that right like no one really had an issue with it well not uh, Lakers <laughs> fans but yeah <laughs> for sure well, yeah but I think like there's just less expectation on him, right? So a player like him, he can move, right? Um, but then you get the other end of it where you have – and also, like, to the to the Chris point, like, seeing how the Suns played and stuff also aids that as well. Like, there just wasn't really an expectation for them to win a championship and seeing him have, like, 
that outsized impact and maybe that's what we want to see i think we want to see impact we want to have that feeling of like this is like a one-man wrecking crew like that was kind of even though like the bucks were very much a a well-balanced team like multiple all-stars like there was something to the idea of like this is Giannis barreling to the rim over and over and over again right i think we did get a taste of that with lebron um and you know if we're gonna take this like we probably didn't get enough of a of a taste of that with kevin durant even though he did grow so much in his game right like he he became an incredible defender there he like he really like maximized all his skills and and figured out like you know the playmaking and the defense and 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 reading things in a way that he wasn't able to do before like it's not that he didn't improve it's just that it didn't feel um necessary it felt like it was an exercise of his own love for the game sure um but didn't feel like if he doesn't do this they don't get that thing and if we don't have that feeling i think it's just difficult to really you know buckle in for the journey and and be invested yeah but it's funny that we're you know we're talking about durant briefly there i have like more sentimentality about coming up short against the bucks last season in the shorthanded eastern conference playoffs eastern conference finals than i do almost about those warriors championships you know what I mean? Like it's it's an example like, in real time, and I, I I don't know. I I'm sure Durant Durant has his own like reasoning and his own you know explanations for everything. I wonder what Durant would say at this point. I wonder if Durant would say almost beating that Bucks team is is almost as much of an accomplishment as winning the championship with the the Warriors. I mean, I imagine Durant would probably use that as an example, which is kind of how bullshit a lot of this stuff is. <laughs> so what do you mean by that you mean like just to be like that's why that's why the way we talk about basketball is like flawed i mean i guess you know like i think like what i was talking about earlier with that feeling of an investment is just like it's an emotional feeling and if you don't have it you don't have it and that's just like you know you can't really do anything about that like regardless of you know like katie didn't necessarily do anything wrong by going but people felt a certain way and ultimately like sometimes things don't really matter beyond that This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month. 
just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Let's talk about some of the current Dirks that we have. Right. So some of the guys that not necessarily who have been with the same team for as long period of time, but guys who I think the only thing left for them to do is win that championship. And we talked a little bit about Chris Paul, who's having like this amazing second season with the Suns uh, as they remain one of the best teams in the NBA. And just like what I was saying with Durant, there's almost something inspirational about how good this Suns team is that even if they don't win a ring, I think it really puts an incredible icing on the cake of, of Chris Paul's career to see what he did in Oklahoma and then see what he did in Phoenix. I mean, he is essentially a one-man rebuild. Does the ring need to go with it? Even I obviously know that Chris Paul aches for a championship. You know, like I'm sure that that keeps him up at night knowing how competitive he is. But in some ways, like I think he's done a tremendous amount in these last three, three, four seasons. Yeah. I mean, like I would hope not. Right. But I think ultimately we still talk about him in the ways that we used to talk about him. And I think some of that kind of bore itself out in in, in the Bucks series. The weird, the thing that's happened with 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 Chris Paul is just that, like, I think that he's he has been unlucky so many times that like we now are doing a lot of work to to figure out reasons that he hasn't won. We're also so proud of him. We're like, we're so proud of you, Chris Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you did such a good job with the Thunder that year. You you've got the the Suns to a final. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, we've completely like we've reversed the way that we think about him. But I do think I think a ring overall would it would kind of erase that final question of whether or not like his his play style is just a little too you know he just he hangs onto the ball a little bit too tight like it clasps out of his hands because of how tight it like he hangs onto it which I mean I feel like literally happened in 2014 um and uh you know it's 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 about kind of eradicating that question I think of like why can't Chris Paul win because when a player is that great, I think that's just a question that we always ask. And then then we start thinking of reasons. And then, you know, some of the reasons are weird. It's like all the reasons that he's good are actually the reasons that he's bad, which is, I mean, as as a narrative, it's it's a delicious sort of thing that, that is fun for us to hang on to, like the idea of the du- double-edged sword. What do you mean by, like, the reasons why he's good or the reasons why he's also like, bad? Uh, oh, the, like, the idea of, like, look, look at the Suns team, right? Like, he's a, he, he has, like, this ability to get people to do the thing that they need him to do like he he has like this sort of thing where he's a taskmaster in a lot of ways and like a team can really find like a unified purpose around that like they can for for a young team like the Suns it's about adding like the discipline but on the other end of it like we kind of have in the past like have had like on the Clippers team like there, there was the idea of that style wearing on you which, you know, it definitely can exist as both things. I think, like, mo- most things like that do. Um, but for Chris, those types of things, like, I feel like take up too much room in the explanation for why he hasn't won. Like, they they have gone from being considered a flaw or just, like, you know, a, a consequence of, of his, just, just who he is. Um, to being kind of considered a fatal flaw in certain cases. And I think that's where we kind of get lost. And that's where I think like, like, like with Dirk and, and like with KG, I think 
that's why I think winning one would actually have like an incredible impact for him for for his legacy because it would be a complete reversal of all the things that that we that we've been kind of kind of trying to convince ourselves are true about Chris Paul and and, it, and to some some extent they are it's just that like they're not as big of a deal as I think people say they are like there's a lot of juxtaposition of of, of Steph and, and Chris and Steph not needing to control the offense and being able to let go and, and you know, Chris's style creating predictability. And, and that has that did bear itself out against the war- Warriors. But guess what? They beat everyone, you know? It's like you're punishing the guy who, who came really, really close for not being able to get over the hump versus just, like, looking at the rest of the league and, and considering all the reasons why nobody else could beat them either. Who are some other guys that you have in mind when you're thinking about, like, these Dirk dudes who need a ring um Chris is probably the biggest right uh I think I mean I don't know I'd be curious because this kind of goes back to the K, like the stuff we talked about with KD I would be really curious to see what would happen if James Harden won a ring this year like I think it would actually break certain people's brains I've been thinking about that a lot over the last 10 days watching him play basketball because he's been Kind of returning yeah. to form a little yeah. bit. Did you watch the Kyrie game the other night? The Pacers oh, I missed game. It, no. The impossible to solve math problem that the Nets present you was like on full display. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a couple of times where it wasn't even like a guy like Patty Mills or whoever was the cutter. Or like you know, there was a, there was a play I saw on Twitter that had a Patty Mills bucket, but there were a couple of of Nets buckets where it wasn't even like oh they got it they got this guy going back door. It was like there's no one on that side of the court. Like there's nobody even like who's able to guard that scoring the guy who scored because like they're all trying to somehow double three players elsewhere. It was I was like, if this is what it's going to be, it's going to be a quick playoffs. So what do you think happens if if, if this like let's say Harden like plays really well. Let's say he ends up being like the second best player on that team and it's not close and he ends up, you know, just. He he take he takes some good charges like he shows some grit and like and, and they get there you know I, I love that all he has to do is take some good charges kind of is though sometimes <laughs> is your question more like how do we look at him or does it erase our memory of what's happened with him in the past in the playoffs because what do you think about that like do you think it just takes away everything that happened with Houston do you think it takes away all the missed threes or the injuries or whatever or do you think it do you think it would just be like another version of Durant going to the Warriors or whatever, where it's like, yeah, you needed to go join up with a bunch of guys to win it, to win a chip? Yeah, it's almost like like Harden becomes the KD of that situation now. I think that's probably most likely what would happen, just because like not for really any fault of Harden's, um, like unless he somehow became like the best player in or like average a triple double or something. And I think again, like you know, if it looks hard and he does some hard things and and he. You know, he he ends up being like the reason, like that they won a few like critical games. Then I think you can say that there is a little room for maneuvering in in this take. But in general, I think that in most cases of the Nets winning a championship, it would end up like the KD thing, just because I think KD would be like superhuman, right? And everybody next to him would just wouldn't really wouldn't really like measure up in that same way. And there's also just we just don't really want to give him that you know I think I think that is a lot of what this comes down to it's the same as KD like there is a part of I don't know like the media or whatever that just doesn't want to give it to KD right just like they didn't want to give it to LeBron so they'll find a way not to and it goes back to what you said about like the invention of of like more asterisk type um you know 
uh, viewpoints on this on this stuff. So it's funny we're talking about guys moving teams and 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 searching for rings because the two other players I really wanted to talk about in this context are probably long shots to some extent to win a ring this year, but are both in the mix I think. And one is Demar Derozan, who uh, was kind of like this sacrificial lamb for Toronto's miracle season, and the other is Jimmy Butler, who has made his kind of appetite for a ring or his thirst for a ring kind of the central organizing principle of his basketball career where it's like he is the only one who can truly hear jazz you know like he's like i'm i understand how to win a ring and i will get up at three in the morning on the mark Wahlberg sleep diet to do it and all of these other losers are the thing that's holding me back and that's maybe a little bit of scar tissue from philly but like you know exits from Chicago, Minnesota, and Philadelphia all kind of suggested that Jimmy was like, this project isn't serious enough for me. So he finally finds his basketball home, heat culture, goes to Miami. And they're they're very good. I mean, they've been obviously like, like they've barely been able to field a team for most of the season. But you have to assume that like if they get their guys back and they start to go in the right direction this season with Lowry, that we could see him in a deep, Eastern Conference playoff round. And then on the flip side, DeRozan, who's like in the mix for MVP and is on one of the best teams in basketball and certainly my favorite team to watch. And it's like, he's like the flip of that. I would I would do anything for that dude to win a ring. Win a ring. If you had told me two years ago that DeMar DeRozan's going to be on the best team on the Eastern Conference, I would just assume he was a hired gun for the Nets. Like I... I, w- I can't believe what I'm seeing in Chicago. So for those two guys, what do you, what do you think about either one of them? I think with Jimmy, he's almost already done it, right? Where I don't think anybody, you know, coming into his career is the 30th pick in the draft, right? And he built himself into an all-star. So there's already the built-in factor of there were never really a lot of expectations on him and anything, like anything he could do now, like he's already, he's already way exceeded what anybody thought his career could be. And on the other end of it, like the Heat made the finals and we saw that cultural cohesion to the point where it became annoying. Um, but was also like very much built in, 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 in truth and also a little bit like getting lost. And yeah, I think it's, it is, it's, it's probably good for Jimmy to go into a situation where like his, his values are, are affirmed, but seeing the other side of it like what's going on with philly right now and simmons and uh you know just like everything with with the timberwolves it's kind of like you know i feel i feel like he proved himself right like by in like the second round 2020 you know <laughs> i mean it'd be great if they they won a ring right um you know it would bolster his his legacy for sure um and probably get him a little bit more higher in like the camp of like two-way wings when you talk about like guys like Kawhi Leonard but I don't think that it makes like a huge change in perception of of how we see him because I think most people have actually kind of seen the light on that one right what about DeRozan what do you think about DeRozan I I think that that this season is, is like he it's this is a touch season like there's something happening Maybe I just love, like, we've talked about this before. Maybe I just love watching games where Stacey King's announcing. Who doesn't? But the last couple of weeks, the season in general, the way they play, the fact that they haven't regressed, they haven't gone anywhere, they seem to be gaining, like, more and more belief in what they're doing. They've weathered, like, a lot of COVID, and he's, like, hitting game winners twice in a week and just, like, is obviously become, like, the avatar of that team in a way that Levine really wasn't. And has kind of resurrected his career and, and somehow has like the perfect game for this team, for this moment in basketball. I mean, talk about some other times in history when 
it seems like the game itself meets the player right where they need to be. I'm not saying that's going to happen for DeRozan or that I think the Bulls can beat the Bucks and or the Nets in a, in the playoffs. You know, I think the Heat or whoever else, and maybe even a, a, a recalibrated Sixers. But something is definitely happening, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like you have to. It, it, it's just it's January. We have to believe it now. I'm a firm believer in the ball finds energy. I don't necessarily think that that can always lead you to a championship but i do think it bolsters whatever talent that you have um and you know cohesive teams just tend to be able to to stick together longer when they run into problems so like it it, i think it definitely helps like i think i think seeing the good vibes and, and the way that the ball moves in in chicago is like you know that that is like a a pro in the side of why you would think that they can make a deep run, right? In a lot of ways, I mean, Demar is kind of this is kind of the perpetual situation of of Demar's career where he's on this team of of, of really talented players. Um, like the Raptors continuously got the one seed, continuously tried to make these improvements internally, like learn how to move the ball around, like really played a beautiful style of basketball by the time that that, that he was like and then got bombed out by LeBron. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. right? But at the same time, like I think the reason that that Demar's particular arc this season is so inspiring is is it because it's like it's a genuine version of the thing that things that we try to manufacture. Like to take like taking it back to Dirk for a minute, he obviously as anybody who wants to do something as like monumental as winning a ring will have to overcome certain flaws, right? But mo- like with Dirk, like the flaw wasn't the things that we that, that people criticize him about because he was doing all those things when he won, right? Like he he was taking threes and he was being like, just like the modern version of who, who he is and all the things that we then gave him credit for, right? The thing that he actually needed to overcome, like I was going back through uh, the Soul of Basketball by Ian Thompson, a book about like, you know, the 2011 finals run. It was just like this personality thing of like, just like being cordial and shy and not really being able to like, really put himself out there fully and be a productive force in the locker room to like, you know, people talk about how how great of a guy he is, right? But like just not putting all of that out there. And, and they talk about that in the book and it was really interesting to think about that because it's like, well, yeah, like there is that natural thing most people when they want to accomplish something great will have to overcome a flaw um damar is actually doing that damar was not a good crunch time player he was very much exploited in the playoffs like this isn't really a situation like the rest of them where finally they get lucky um and they win and now like people kind of get off their back about flaws like he is actually like he spent I, I wrote about this, I think, last month, but he spent basically all that time in San Antonio becoming a better playmaker. He shifted to the four. Um, he, he became an incredible crunch time player there, too. Like, his, his numbers in, in crunch time improved every single year to the point, I think he had one, he had one season where I think he was shooting 49% in, in, in crunch time, which is, for the style of shots that he takes, like, he was still taking a lot of the same shots, better shot selection since he became a better playmaker. Um, but the style of his game has subtly shifted in a way that now allows him to, you know, just kind of min- minimize some of those the flaws in his game and just understand, like, what his strengths are. And he also, like, he works in a system which which helps him with that, too. Like, shifting over to, to the four. Like, he doesn't have... And he doesn't have the full playmaking burden. He is now an excellent secondary playmaker um, as opposed to, you know, trying to actually create from the top and stuff. Like, and obviously, he can still do all of that, too. So, you know, it's just... it's That's why I think it's so fun to watch him now because it is different. Like, I think we're recognizing the fact that 
he has done a lot of work to actually change this thing. And I think ultimately that is what we look for. I mean, I, I think that we answered our own question here that like maybe Damar is the Dirk, you know, like maybe Damar is the guy that we're really cheering for. We're really rooting for. and would really, you know, make you believe in anything. If, if something like that happened, if the Bulls won a championship with Damar DeRozan as their star player, that, that would be like <laughs> unbelievable. The, the last thing I'd say on Damar too, is that like, you saying that made me realize that the other end of it is also true. Like sometimes we also need to manufacture doubt as well. Like I think maybe in Chris's case, like that's kind of what I was doing earlier in this conversation where maybe he has made like the redemptive turn, but like I have a desire to see like the moment. So I kind of need to, in my own head, turn it into that. Whereas with DeMar, like he was very clearly just like, he was bounced off a team that was trying to win a championship and they basically like hit the upgrade button, right? Like that, it yeah. was it was a very decisive move by the team that probably had believed in him most up until that point um like it was it was a judgment that was made that like usually the media is doing that but for it to actually play out like on the stage of the nba probably also changes how we look at it that's a it's a great point we can wrap it up there sarah thanks so much for joining me we'll be back next friday thanks to chris sutton for producing us this week and uh everybody tune in we've got ringer nba shows all week there's now another show on the mismatch feed kevin o'connor's the void we also have upside high with kyle and sharks now on the nba feed so there's tons of stuff to listen to and we'll be back next friday